Hello and welcome to episode 90 of the Massive Attack Podcast. I'm Joe and with me as always is Mitch. G'day. How are you, Mitch? I'm good. I'm good. Hmm. Good. We've got a few things to talk about tonight. Yeah. It feels like we've just been doing stuff. We probably haven't, but looking at the run sheet, it looks like we've got You're a lot to talking up like we're, we're cool or something. We're not. We, aren't we? No. I thought we were. No, we're not cool. We podcast. We're not that cool. Yeah. Hmm. Well, speaking of podcasts, yeah. I made friends with another podcast. Ooh. You had a play date, our podcast and their podcast? No, it hasn't quite yeah. got that far yet, oh. but we've, we've sort of tweeted at each other. Oh. They gave a little shout out on their show, so I figured I should give a little shout out on our show. Okay. But following on from our little pod it forward last month, mm-hmm. I actually started listening to another local Melbourne podcast called The Fun Size Happy Hour, Yeah, hosted by Evan and Binksy who are a married couple in the northern suburbs of Melbourne. We're a married couple in the northern <laughs> suburbs of Melbourne. We act like a married couple oh. in the northern suburbs. But yeah, so the Melbourne City Wrestling tweeted out a link to one of their episodes because they did a review for a wrestling show that they'd been to. So I thought, hmm, podcast about wrestling, I'll give this a go. And you like wrestling. Yeah. And I actually really enjoyed their podcast, more to the fact that I thought, yeah, they're, they're just like us. But yeah, I really enjoyed their podcast. Now that I'll go back and listen to a few episodes. And it turns out that Binksy has actually got a bit of a shared history with us. And she used to go to the Prince Pat's night to watch the wrestling back oh, wow. in the early okay. 2000s, late 90s. Mm. So yeah, but they, they do a, a one hour show each week just talking about wrestling and TV and pop culture and stuff. So thanks for the shout out. And we'll give you guys a shout out and uh, yeah, pot it forward a little bit. Cool. Mm. But other than podcasts, have you been gaming? No. Oh, actually, there was a sale on, so I bought Disney Rush because my son wants to play games on the Xbox. So Fruit Ninja seems to be his one he can play. Like, as long as I set him up correctly, he's fine. And there's a Disney Rush, which is almost like an endless runner sort of game, but with all these Pixar sort of scenarios. So it's Toy Story, Ratatouille and all that sort of stuff. So I was like, it was on sale. I had credit burning a hole in my virtual pocket. So I was like, I'll give it a go. And he's not that good at it, unfortunately. That's but, a shame. Uh, it's fine. He'll get better. He's, he's, uh, so I was sort of holding, I was controlling the character and he was pushing the other buttons to do other things. So I was like, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. I just want him to play. I don't. Baby steps though. You've got to start somewhere. Yeah. He, he's only just turned four. That's true. So, like yeah. literally just turn four. Yeah. I don't know what my kids were playing when they were four, but I don't think they were playing super duper oh, high tech. It's funny because, I mean, he does know how to play uh, Mario Karts. So he tries to turn the Xbox controller like a Mario Kart and it doesn't quite work. But oh, yeah. He has an idea. He says it's all right. We'll get there. We'll get there. So that's pretty much it. That's all I've been playing. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. S- speaking about kids gaming, we were sitting around the other day with my older boy and deciding that we should play a little three-player game. Mm-hmm. Not that I have a lot of three-player games, but we dug up Viva Piñata Party Animals, which is like a little racing mini-game type game, speaking of Mario Kart. So you have your Viva Piñata characters and you run races and then in between races they do little challenge events. Didn't you used to play this before you had kids? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've had this for a long time. I think it was 2007 it was actually released, which was the year my oldest was born. Okay. So it's a pretty old game. But yeah, he really dug it. And then a couple of days later, we were talking about it. And then my little one decided that he wanted to play it as well. But because we've only got three controllers for the 360, my wife decided that she would sit it out and let us boys play. And my little one was rolling around on the floor laughing at the humor in it. So there's a few, well, there's kind of commentary over the races. And there's one bit where the commentators were sort of having a go at each other and he thought that was hilarious. And then there's another game where you're on like this circle and your characters get knocked off the circle by this giant hand that sort of swings around. And every time his character got 
slapped off the off the arena. He was losing his shit, basically. Okay. So, yeah, now every night after we finish dinner, they don't want to watch their Ninjago or whatever TV they're into at the moment. They sit there and go, oh, can we have a little game of Eva Pinata? Cool. So, yes. But other than that, I have done a big chunk of gaming myself. We were talking a little bit a while ago off air about how we both had kind of a hankering to play Borderlands again. Mm. And I realized that I hadn't finished a lot of the DLC from Borderlands 2. And I had a, a day off work a couple of weeks ago because I was feeling a bit unwell with a sinusitis. And I thought, yeah, I could sit around and watch TV all day or I could just sit home and play nine hours of Borderlands. So I did all of the Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep DLC in one session pretty much. Wow. Yeah. But it was almost one session. I, I got to the final boss in one session and then I had to go back and finish it the next night. But it was okay. It gave me my Borderlands fix, but by the end of it, it was very samey. It was just waves and waves of very similar enemies coming at you. Mm-hmm. Not much story progression, but a lot of kind of almost a horde mode at the end yep. where you had to climb up a tower to get to the final dragon, but every level of this tower had different baddies on sort of thing. But I'm glad I did because it just made me realize how good Borderlands 2 is. Yep. And yeah, it's kind of whet my appetite to go back to some more Borderlands. So cool. I think in the near future, we need to get together and play either split screen or do an online replay of something. But anyway, Sounds good. Yeah, but that, that was my gaming. Mm. Other than that, I've been watching a lot of television. Really? I'm really making the most of my Netflix. Okay. What? Well, Stranger Things. No, just kidding. No, I've already watched I know, it. I know, I know. But something that was very similar vein to Stranger Things was a little 90s-based, I guess you'd call it a comedy, called Everything Sucks, Mm. which is about a bunch of AV club kids and drama kids in a little town in Oregon in 1996, I think it's set. And it's basically, yeah, it's just a coming-of-age sort of story with this one kid that's a, a bit of a cinematographer and he kind of falls in love with a girl who is the daughter of the principal, only it turns out that she's coming out of the closet as a lesbian so it's kind of a a bit of a different telling of a coming of age story it was i I thought it was really well done however it is set in the 90s and a a few bits they really lay it on thick that they are doing the 90s that there's stuff you you know how i sort of said that in the second series of stranger things they did 80s just for the sake of 80s there's a few bits in this where they really kind of chuck in the 90s and it's yeah they're just that could be anywhere that they're just throwing in the 90s yeah i loved the music in it and i think that's what hooked me in the first episode the the fact that the music was my era of really good music from the 90s but yeah. spin doctors not sure Hootie if any, i think there was hooty references hooberstank <laughs> don't think so but <laughs> they reenact the oasis wonderwall video and a little bit of alanis morissette's ironic video okay. with this one kid trying to get the uh, the girl's attention by you know, reenacting the video and playing all the roles that Alana's played. But yeah, I really mm, dug it. Cool. Didn't didn't like the ending, but I'm not going to go spoilery. But it's 10 half-hour episodes on Netflix, so it was a pretty easy watch. And I pretty much watched it all in one sitting. Cool. So yeah. But other than that, I have been watching a fair bit of other stuff on Netflix. I started watching another older documentary show, which is called Abstract, The Art of Design. Because you know how Netflix gives you the ads of, you know, because you watch this, you yep. might like this sort of thing. And it popped up and I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to watch that or not. But I got stuck into it and I think it's only about five episodes and I've watched the first three. But the first one was about a German cartoonist that does cartoons for the New Yorker magazine. Second one was a guy, I don't, can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he was like the the dude that was the main sneaker maker for Nike. 
Oh, yeah. And he was creating all the Air Jordans and all that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. that one was actually really good. And then there was another one with a woman who was a set designer for plays or uh, who basically became like a, a stage dresser sort of thing for big name concerts. Okay. So she did a couple of Kanye West concert and one of the Beyonce ones and stuff. And mm. her ideas were pretty phenomenal. And now she's turned into this like million dollar company that does these massive sets for concerts and stuff cool so yeah that was pretty cool i think there's as i said i think there's another couple one's an architect and another one is some other designer that i'm not sure of but yeah it was kind of cool cool sounds good yeah and a couple of other things i've watched old favorite black mirror has a new season so that i think that came out in january and i'd been meaning to watch it now obviously now that i have netflix i can mainline that as well so i had one day when i was sick playing borderlands and i had another day when i was sick just watching black mirror hmm. now i don't know how up to date you are on black mirror no, i think you watched I'm, the first couple of seasons and then didn't go any further I, just, I want to it's just a i don't know just haven't got back i don't think it's as good as the originals something about the fact that they are mainly american now kind of throws me a little like charlie brooke has written all of them mm. one of the episodes in the new season was actually based on a an idea from pendulette okay. that he came up with when he was sick in spain and he had to go to hospital and he didn't speak any language and it was just him trying to convince the doctor in spain that he was sick mm. and trying to work out what it was and then from there they made this story about how good it would be if a doctor could just tap into your head and feel your pain so he knew where your pain was coming from yeah and that's in one episode and it's one out of three sort of stories that are in the anthology sort of yep. episode, which is kind of cool. There, there's another episode about online dating that I thought was really good. And I think I enjoyed that one probably the most because it was English actors and it was very English in the just the feeling of the, the show. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But yeah, I think there's six or eight episodes in this new season. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the first one's quite long. Like most of them are about an hour long, but the first one's almost an hour and a half, I think, and it's like a virtual reality game kind of Star Trekky, which oh, yes, is yes, kind yes. of cool as well. But yes, I, I've really much enjoyed well, that. Speaking of Star Trek, I actually finished Star Trek Discovery. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, see, that was episodic on Netflix, wasn't it? It wasn't it even was. released all in one hit. Correct, because it was episodic on Paramount's TV hmm. network or whatever it was, their streaming network. Yeah, I've watched the first couple, and I think we actually watched the first episode together. We did, yes. When it first came out, but yeah. it didn't grab me straight away. No, it, it was interesting, and I watched the reaction on Facebook. I had friends who loved it, and I had friends who didn't like it, and the, the debate got quite rather heated between them. One person saying, it's not good. It's like, no, I'm enjoying it. It's like, but, but it's not good. It's like, you don't tell me what I enjoy or what not, you know, yeah. it's the kind of thing. It was getting very nasty back and forwards. In the end, the ones who didn't like it actually turned around and did like it because okay. they gave it a go and it actually paid off because it wasn't episodic like Next Gen and those sort of shows. It was actually a big story that had, you had to sort of wait for it to play out. Okay. So it's, 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 I mean, like we said, when we first watched it, it looked good. Like it looked very cinematic and yeah. high quality and expensive. And it played out interestingly. Okay. It's quite good. I'll be there for the next one. Like I really didn't pay a lot of attention. Like I wasn't glued to my TV watching it. I generally had my phone in my hand or something at the same time. So mm. stuff happened. It's like, oh, yeah. Because I sort of read the reviews and the people back and forth. So I sort of knew things were coming at some point. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's that thing they were talking about. Where is it set in the Star Trek timeline? Before the original series, just before. Yeah, I thought it was because I had a feeling it was set in between the the original and next gen, but it's before no, 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 the original. Before, I mean, spoilers if I can spoil. Yeah, sure. All right, skip for thirty seconds. The very last scene of the last episode, the Enterprise turns up 
and meets the Discovery, and they said, this is Captain Pike talking. Okay. And Captain Pike was the one before, Sh- uh, I'm going to say Shatner, but... Um, People know what you mean if you yeah. say Shatner. Yeah. yeah. Kirk. So, Kirk. So, yeah. So, it's it's before original series. Okay. Mm. Welcome back if you hear from the spoilers. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a huge Star Trek fan. Like, I watched it when it was on, and I had a housemate that was massively into Next Gen when that was big. So, yeah. I've watched a few episodes of Next Gen and quite enjoyed it. But I think a lot of the buzz on the internet was that a lot of the characters weren't like what they should have been. The, the Vulcans were not quite Vulcan-y enough, and the Klingons were kind of wrong. Oh, well, and the problem, well, Vulcans, there wasn't much, but there is a human character that was brought up by Vulcans. So she's sort of a human with no emotions kind of thing. So you got that sort of reverse Spock character. <laughs> Don't Google reverse Spock. No. <laughs> and the Vulcans, I'm sorry, the Klingons were all just different to what we're used to. They were a lot more bestial, like in look. They, you know, it wasn't just crabs on their forehead sort of look this time. It, they were a lot more, I mean, they still had the ridges and that sort of stuff, but they had prosthetic teeth. So it was just, and they was all rarely talked in English. So it was all subtitled. It was just, took you out of it more. It wasn't an easy watch like watching Next Gen where it's just okay. like, oh yeah, it's just an easy bit of fluff. You really got to pay attention to it. So oh, I don't want to pay attention to TV. <laughs> but yeah, so no, it was good. But yeah, I really didn't give it its due as far as what I should have, but I enjoyed it enough. Mm. Well, something else I've watched that I think you would enjoy as well was another doco on Netflix from a couple of years ago called Hip Hop Evolution, Mm -hmm. which was a little four-part doco series about a dude that was a bit of a hip-hop fan that went back to the roots of hip-hop in the 70s and very much in line with, say, Hip-Hop Family Tree and some of the other stuff we've previously talked about. He went back to New York and sort of talked about how it all started. But as well as showing archive footage from back then, he went and interviewed some of the founders of that time. Grandmaster Flash? Yeah. Melly Mel? Yep, African Barbada. What was he wearing? Uh, some strange hat. That was thing. strange. Yeah. Good, good, good. Still dressed like, like a douche, really. But yeah. And then he went from the 70s all the way to the sort of the second wave with Run DMC yeah. and LL Cool J and people like that. And then he stopped? No. Oh. He went to the sort of gangster rap and like the new sound, just touching on it at the end. But oh. the episodes I really enjoyed were the old ones. The older ones, but a little bit of the gangster rap and just. Oh, that's all right. I'll, that's fine. I'll take that. Yeah. He didn't go any further than, say, Snoop Dogg and, and no, people right. like that. He didn't that. jump yep. into Kanye West good, or, good. Or, or, you know, the real good. modern stuff. But Nor should he. No. <laughs> it was interesting, though, just sort of seeing how he talked to Ice-T and he was talking about how Ice-T was doing gangster rap and Ice-T himself was pretty much saying, no, I'm not doing gangster rap, I'm doing reality rap, but it's my reality, not everyone's reality. Mm-hmm. And that was quite interesting as well. And they had footage of Dr. Dre when he was with his original band. Dressed up as a doctor? Yeah. Oh, they did have that? And they were wearing these you know, spangly... Scrubs or no? No, well, he was wearing scrubs, but <laughs> the rest of the band were wearing these matching spangly suits and stuff, and they were very theatrical rather than being like the style you'd expect for streets. NWA. Yeah, they yeah. were more sort of playing just funky music. Well, and, I mean, that's the thing, because you had the East Coast which was the New York stuff. Yeah. And there was the African Bombarda and stuff. And there was a style to it. And it was over the top. Yeah. You know, it wasn't that urban from the streets look. They actually dressed up. Yeah, exactly. And I guess they were sort of the West Coast were copying to a point yep. when they followed. And it wasn't really until, you know, NWA where it's sort of like, no, 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 we're, we're representing something here. Exactly. Yeah. And it was kind of one of those, you know, expressing what happened at the time. So there had been obviously stuff happening in the Bronx when the Bronx was mm. 
was there. And they showed in the documentary that the Bronx was like a war zone. Oh, there, yeah. were, there were buildings on fire. There was just rubble. And exactly. there's a doco, and, Rubble Kings, which is yeah, really good. And they were just like building these house parties and block parties from the rubble. But then in the, the West Coast side, they were doing what they called G-Funk. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like the style that Dr. Dre was initially like portraying, where instead of using samples, they were almost playing live music with them sort of rapping over the top of it. And then the whole Rodney King, LA riots sort of happened, and that's when gangster rap just blew up. But yeah, yeah it was a really good watch. And yeah, they're four one-hour little episodes, but I would highly recommend that as well. Cool. I'll check it out. Hmm. And something else on Netflix that we have both been watching, mm-hmm. and that is the Joel McHale show with Joel McHale. Yeah. So I think you put me onto this. Mm-hmm. Just out of nowhere, you were like, did you know Joel McHale's got a new show? Well, that's because on Netflix, out of nowhere, it turned up. Yeah. I just sort of like, it pops up going, because literally, I think every day now, there's a new Netflix show. Because everyone's pulling their content off Netflix. They're creating their own, hmm. a lot of their own movies and TV shows. And this is pretty much The Soup, which was the Joel McHale show from years back that we used to watch all the time. On E. Pretty much the same. It's yep. him in front of a green screen, taking the piss out of Tally, but now he can swear. And by God, does he swear yeah. Especially that first episode. So I think there's been four episodes dropped so far mm-hmm. as of our recording of this. I mean, it's it's brainless TV. It literally is poking fun at reality TV. You cannot get yep. dumber than this, but I don't know. I like John McHale and I think it's really funny. And I didn't realise how much I missed the soup until this has come back. Mm. It probably will wear off because I know by the end of the soup, we'd pretty much given up on it before. Yeah, but once a week you can live with. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, that dropped. I'll just watch that. It's fine. Yeah, and it is dropping once a week, which is good. And you, you need to, because you need to be topical. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so I'm very much enjoying that. Mm. There, there's normally one line in each episode that just breaks me. Yes. And that first episode. <laughs> we, we won't say yes, that word. no. Because it was just great. But then the guest stars he's had on is pretty good, too. He managed to have Eric Banner on this week's episode. Yeah, Jason yeah. Priestley. Yep, high-quality Jason Priestley. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it, and I, I recommend that. But that's pretty much my TV watching. Oh, I've just got one more thing to add. Not to be Netflix, but a different streaming service. One that I paid for a long time ago for this particular TV show and just didn't bother using for a long time ago. Oh, yeah, I pay $3 a month for that thing. And that is Amazon Prime Hmm. or Prime Viewing or Prime whatever it is, Prime Movies. But it is a streaming service. I've got the app on the Xbox and I can watch their content. Now, there's not a lot. I, I took you through the menus today going it's not as polished as Netflix. And their collection of films, although there are some quality movies there. You've got the Indiana Jones and Back to the Future trilogies. You've got, you know, Godfather and things like that. But there's nothing that really stood out to go, let's watch that. It was weird. Hmm. But we did watch something. We'll get to that later. But yeah, there is a couple of shows. Like Netflix, Amazon is getting into their own production and they do shows. There is one, Transparent, which is probably the most successful one as far as Emmys go. Um, You've got the Grand Tour, which is all the Top Gear guys went on to Amazon to make their... TV show, and there's a, apparently there's some quality stuff there. But the thing I want to watch is The Tick. Yes. Have I talked about before on the oh, show? Oh, definitely. We did a couple of Christmases That's ago. Right. We mentioned The Tick as one of our 12 Days of Christmas specials. Yeah, so, yeah, The Tick is based on the comic, which is also a cartoon and another live-action show, and this is the latest version with another live-action show. And this one's got swearing, too. They dropped the F-bomb in this, and it's quite violent with Peter Serafinitz. Oh, I always get it wrong. But yeah, he's one of those actors that you may not recognise his name. Yeah, he but was a Nova Corps member in Guardians of the Galaxy. He was their flatmate in Shaun of the Dead and the voice of Darth Maul in Star Wars The Phantom Menace. So, just to yeah. name a couple. Yeah, so he's, he's quite cool and he's just got one of those voices. He plays the tick this time very much like an Adam West. It's a very grounded sort of show. It's not as 
cartoony. I still like Putty as the tick in the last version of the live-action version, but I don't know, people have been talking it up. It's like, shit, I did buy. I'm paying $3 a month for this service that I'm not using. I should go back and watch it. So I've actually watched a couple of episodes this week, and it is pretty good. It's not light-hearted, 20-minute fun episodes. It's, it's quite heady in certain ways, but yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm glad I stuck with it. And, got and has he got all his friends with him like they do Ooh. in the other live action? No, he's just got Tick and Arthur and that's it. Okay. You know, so it's quite interesting. The Terror, which is in the comic, he's the big bad, played by Jackie Haley from the Bad News Bears. Okay. And Watchmen. But yeah, um, no, it's cool. I'll talk more when I finish it to see if it actually goes anywhere. But at the moment, it's like, interesting show. Hmm. Interesting it's, show. It's a shame they haven't got his, his tag on Friends because I was going to ask you what names they go by, whether they're the, the cartoons or the live action yes, ones. No, not hmm. there. Oh, so, so, yeah, so that was it. And that's using my Amazon Prime. But like I said, I was showing you through the menu. So let's jump to movies. Okay. And we watched... There were a couple of movies there. I was like, oh, True Grit. Let's watch that bit from True Grit. That's really cool. <laughs> and then we saw Hot Rods. It's like, let's watch that John Farnham bit from Hot Rod. So we just watched a bunch of bits from movies. That's what YouTube's for, though, isn't it? Yeah. And then we found a movie that, like, we've talked about the bad movie fiends a lot on this podcast. About yep. podcasts One of our we love. Podcasts, yep. And they talk about bad movies. And they had Vanuary, which was all 1970s van films. From the 70s. Did I say 70s films from the 70s? You did, as opposed to the 70s films from the 90s. <laughs> yeah. And um, all about van culture. Now, don't Google van culture because it doesn't exist, according to Wiki or something, but there's photos of all these kick-ass vans from that era. But yeah, I wanted to know how long the van culture craze went. I think about two years. I think so. It just mm. was crazy. But there's plenty of movies. I know there was Supervan was another one. Yeah, we watched The Hat The on, Van. The Van. And it's terrible. But we watched it all. We watched it all. Yeah. <laughs> Strangely, it was one of those movies that just seemed more like a collection of scenes kind of thrown it was together. Random with an antagonist in the center. It was just everyone was unlikable. But there were some sweet ass fans. That's yeah. all I can really say. That's and, all and Danny DeVito. Yeah, <laughs> yes, right. He yes. was like the only name star in it, wasn't he? Correct. But yeah, it was a strange film. It I, was strange and a bit crap. I wouldn't recommend it if you no, don't have Amazon no, but Prime. I, I'm glad I saw it for some reason. It's like it entertained us for an hour and a half. But yes, so we, we watched The Van. But yes, well, let's get on to other movies that aren't The Van. Have you been going to the cinema? I haven't been to the cinema. I've watched a few things at home, but okay. maybe we should talk about your cinemas first because right, right. you've got a couple of I, big I, cinema movies to Yeah, um, there's a little, little movie called Black Panther. That everybody has seen, except you. Except me, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hit us billion dollars already, so I can't say much more than that. Did we talk about it last time? No, no. we teased that you were going to oh, see it last time. okay. Because I think last time we recorded was just before it was released. Okay, yeah, so, yes, I have seen it. It is great. Michael B. Jordan is my new crush, I think. Mm. He's got a swear. So he's taken over from Jonathan from Queer Eye? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm um, not really good. Everything that's been said about this movie already, I can't really add too much more. It's funky and cool. I also saw another film at the cinemas. I saw The Shape of Water. Or is that Oscar winning The Shape oh, of Water? Oh, you have to say Oscar. Multiple yeah. Oscar winners. Mm, isn't it? Yeah. It's really, really cool. Really, really dug it. Yeah, it's kind of genre bending, isn't it? It's, it's just it's cool. Like, I really want to see this before it finishes at the cinema, and I think I've probably left my yeah, done just a little bit too late. A couple of sessions now that it won the Oscar, got a bit more legs to it. But yeah, it, it's. I don't want to say too much. Just it's it's funky, but yeah, you're gonna sexy fish movie, fish man. Yeah, not Aquaman. No, different sexy fish man. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Yeah, 
So, well, speaking of Oscars, I decided that I should watch one movie at least that was nominated for an Oscar, and I decided I was going to watch Get Out, and I kind of liked it, but I thought it was a, a little bit too predictable. Now, I know you saw it you in the cinema. You did not predict where it was going. I did. As you soon as he not. turned up, and his dad, or the dad was like, all right, spoilers for Get Out here, because I'm going to talk about this. <laughs> so, another big spoiler warning. As soon as he turned up and he was like the black guy going to the white guy's house. Yes. And the white guy was like, you know, the the mum was into hypnosis and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you saw the black maid was a bit glazed over and yes. kind of looked like she was hypnotised. Yes. I was sitting there going, yep, I know where this is going. They're going to hypnotise him. Yeah, well, of course that. But did you know, did you predict why? Yes. They were well, going to use him as like, you know. Yeah, because they really like black people. Because they That be side slaves. of it? No. Yes. No. Uh, I don't know. I just thought it was very predictable. I, I thought the bits of humour in it were very funny. I thought his friend, the TSA guy that came yes, to save was, the day at the end, awesome. I thought he was awesome. Yes. yes. I, I thought the main girl character wasn't that good. No, well, she annoys me in Girls, the, the TV show Girls. Yeah. And she annoyed me in this, but then it didn't make sense until the end when everything sort of revealed and go, oh, okay, that's why it is what it is. Because she, yeah. Yeah. But it, it did take me out of it a bit, going, everything else is really good, you're terrible, but she's meant to be, I think. I don't, but, I don't know. There, there was a few things that took me out of it. Mm. I, I thought, as I said, the predictability of it I didn't like. But that aside, I thought it was quite well made, and I thought some of the scenes were really well done, like the, the bits where they were beating people up and stabbing them with antlers. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I haven't seen a lot of modern horror movies because I find them just too much like torture porn now, yep. rather than being a thriller rather than a horror sort of horror movie. Yep. But I guess this was probably more thriller than horror, but the horror bits were quite horrible. It was horrific hmm. and tense. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I really dug it when I saw it. I thought it was very good. Hmm. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I liked it. But I didn't think it was all that in a bag of chips. That racist. Just, I don't even think it's that. Yeah, racist. You haven't <laughs> seen Black Panther and you didn't like Get Out. I, I know where you're at. Well, I tried to watch a Korean film as well. I tried to watch <laughs> Colossus, I think it is, the one with Anne Hathaway where she's doing okay, the, yeah, yeah. the creature. Mm-hmm. And I got about half an hour into that and realised that it was going nowhere, so I gave up. But then I think I probably gave up just to the minute the giant monster turned up. So, But the, just the lead-up to that was just so you're torture. you're monstrous too. Yeah, yes, I am. Yeah. But anyway. No you didn't like Pacific Rim. You didn't like Pacific Rim either, so you can't go there. <laughs> Fair it's, enough. Yeah, I, I just don't like Guillermo del Toro. Well, then why are you seeing Shape of Water? Exactly. Maybe I just need to see it just to prove to myself that I don't like his films. Although that's not 100% true either because I love that one scene in Hellboy. One scene. <laughs> yes. Anyway, that that was my modern movie. I have seen a couple of less modern movies. My, of nation? No, not quite no, that. No, no, less not modern. That <laughs> but I, I've watched a couple of cartoons because now that we have Netflix – Mm-hmm. And my kids are always like, oh, is there a movie we can watch? What can we do? Sort of thing. So we decided that we would watch Monsters. Salo. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> Harmony Corinne's Kids. No. If you haven't seen that. Yeah. Okay. Not, not a movie for children. Anyway, but no, we decided we would watch Monsters University because for some reason my kids have got a Monsters University book on tape, like CD, and mm-hmm. they, they've never listened to it. They've never read it. Yeah. And then we were just flicking through and he's like, oh, Monsters University, we should watch that. And again, it was okay, but it wasn't Monsters, Inc. Yep. And again, I found it a, a little bit too predictable. I Yeah, it was. It felt like a college, any college movie. Yeah. You know, like Revenge of the Nerds or... Team Wolf. And Animal House, any yep. of those sort of things. It just felt like that generic, by-the-numbers sort of film. Yeah. 
and I don't think it was really, fine, but yeah, it just was like, okay, yep. Yeah, and it wasn't really until that last little bit that you could kind of see the seeds of where Monsters Inc. was going mm. from, but yeah, I don't know. And we also went back and watched The Incredibles since Incredibles 2 was coming out later mm-hmm. this year. Yep. And again, I really enjoyed Incredibles when I first saw it, and I guess I probably still enjoyed it now, but it's a lot slower than I remember. Like, it takes quite a while for for them to all get together and become the Incredibles, Mm. and just the lead-up seems to be quite a a bit of a slow build. But I still think it's quite a good movie, and I do enjoy superhero movies where they haven't got an established story, they're making their own superheroes. So, yeah, it was good to go back and watch that again. Yeah, I actually showed it to my son as well. I think he, because I've got the Disney Affinity game, and I got a bunch of figures that go with it. I don't actually play the game. I just bought a bunch of figures. And when they cancelled the game, they all came out cheap. So I bought them and my son plays them a lot. And he was playing with the Mr. Incredible figure. Yeah. I was like, who's this? What's this? And I was like, I'll show you. So I, I put the movie on for him. And he really, he actually paid attention. Like it's a long movie. And like I said, it's a little bit slow. But yep. he did actually sit through the whole thing. So well, that's it, great. It, it did its job. Mm-hmm. And watching it again, going, oh yeah, this is going to be pretty cool. Yeah. And I've watched another couple of documentaries on Netflix as well, getting into the graffiti side of things because my my seven-year-old loves graffiti. Like we will drive around in the car and anytime he sees graffiti, he'll be like, oh, graffiti. And then we'll see proper street art murals and stuff. And he keeps asking me what the difference between graffiti and street art is. But I was flicking through Netflix not with my son, but just by myself looking to see if there was any movies about graffiti that might be suitable for mm. a seven-year-old to watch. And I came across a movie called Saving Banksy, which probably isn't appropriate for a seven-year-old because there was a little bit of language in it. Oh. But it was about when Banksy, the famous street art guy, went to America and he did a little piece of a rat on top of a building. And before the council could come and clean it off, this art guy decided that he would go and you know cut it off the wall and try and donate it to Museum of Modern Art in yep. San Francisco. And just the rigmarole that goes into the fact that he was trying to you know preserve this piece of artwork, yep. but the museum wouldn't take it unless they had you know a certificate of authenticity to say it was an official Banksy. Yep. And he was like, well, I can't get that because if Banksy does that, he's admitting to vandalizing this mm. sort of paintwork. And he'll admit who he is. Yeah, exactly. But there was a little bit of a side story to that, that he was trying to just save this work to donate it. But there was also another dude who was going around and cutting these pieces off walls and putting them in art shows and then actually selling them. And it was like, well, Banksy himself isn't getting any of the money from the sale of these properties, you know, mm. kind of profiting off some of Banksy? Work. Well, yeah, they were officially they Banksy's were? because Banksy has them up on the Banksy website. Oh, okay. But the whole idea of Banksy is he does these kind of very poignant political pieces and then he knows that they're not going to last forever. But then this this dude was like going and cutting them off walls and putting them on, you know, in frames and trying to sell them. And, and a couple of them were selling for like big money, yeah. like million dollars sort of things. Have you seen Exit Through the Gift Shop? I have. Mm. Mm. And again... I don't know how much of that is a work and how much of that is real. Mm. I probably should go back and watch that again just to just to see how much of it really, yeah, I don't know. But mm. I'm, I'm kind of a fan of Banksy. I've seen prints of some of his work for sale and I often think that, yeah, maybe I would buy one and stick it up somewhere in my house and then I think, no, my wife would never let me have that in the house with our 1920s decor and stuff. So, mm. yeah, I, I don't know. But it, it's funny. It's one of those things with a, a documentary that there is always a bit of a spin to it because obviously the documentary maker wants to sway you in one direction or another yep. and this one is very much when it starts and this guy's cutting down the, the wall and trying to save the Banksy and talking about how much money he's spending to talk to the owner of the building just so he can he can do it you kind of start off thinking that this dude's the bit of the bad guy and he's the one that's going to be getting this to make a profit on it 
But then when you realise that he's the one that's trying to donate it to a museum so people can see it for free, you kind of realise that he's kind of the hero of the piece. Mm. Mm. So that was good. And another documentary I watched on Netflix as well is a little movie from, I think it was 2007 or something. It's quite an old, it might have been 2011. But it's, it's a bit of an older movie called Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Mm-hmm. And I can remember back when I was listening to the iFanboy podcast quite a bit in the old days, they talked about this on one of their year-end episodes, and they talked about how just how gripping this movie was. And it's the story of a sort of 75, 80-year-old Japanese dude that runs this little 10-seat sushi restaurant in one of the subways in Tokyo, and he's got two sons that work for him that have pretty much taken on his family business And one of the sons is now in his 50s and never really wanted to be a sushi chef, but his dad's kind of forced him into being a sushi chef. And it's just this little story of how this guy is a perfectionist with sushi and does all this stuff that other people have never done with sushi just to make his the best sushi in the world sort of thing. Okay. And at one stage they're talking about how people go to the restaurant and it's a, I think he said 300,000 yen, 10 piece dinner or something. And we looked it up and just the conversion rates and it worked out to about $300 Australian just for these 10 pieces of sushi. He was talking about how he handcrafts the sushi and he he watches to see whether people that are sitting there are left-handed or right-handed. So when he gives them the plate, the sushi's sort of facing at the right angle when he puts it down and all this sort of stuff. But it was interesting to watch. And obviously the Japanese culture is quite different to, say, the Australian culture where, you know, you don't really care what your dad does and you can go and do another job. You're not forced into taking on your your parents' career. But just the fact that this dude has done sushi his whole life he's married this whole time but he talks about his wife but you never see his wife and you never really know if he's going home to his wife or whether he's working all this time in this whole sushi restaurant Mm. and then we've got this other dynamic that his sons you know i I never really wanted to do sushi i wanted to go to university and study and his dad's made him become a sushi chef and now he's his whole life is in the shadow of his dad who's this like sushi master Mm. but it turns out real like they tried to spin this that his dad's this traditionalist, but his dad just come across like a bit of an ass, really. The fact that he was you know, stifling his son's dreams. Yeah. But I, I think you would have issues with this movie. Food. Yep, seafood. exactly. And oh. there's one bit where they go to the markets in Tokyo and there is all this just like live seafood. And, and yeah. it just made me think of you and Beasts of the Southern Wild. No. But yeah. But I don't eat sushi, but I still really enjoy the movie. Fair enough. Hmm. But that's my movie watching. Cool. That's, that's it for our What We've Been Up To. Well, let's kinda. get. Well, all right. Well, so we've decided we'd have a bit of a topic this month based on the fact that you went and saw Queen and Adam Lambert a couple of weeks ago. Yes. And then just this last weekend, we both went and saw Populate Itself. With Jim Bob from Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine and Caligula. Yeah. Bit of a blast from the past. Three acts I have seen before and loved and was ready to go again. Hmm. So we were kind of just talking about our favourite concerts that we've seen. And we thought, well, maybe we should actually throw this out as a topic and just talk a bit, little bit about what our favourite concerts, concerts. are. Uh, uh, I, I think this will probably sort of meld down into being our favourite concert moments because there's bits for me that stand out in the concerts themselves rather than the whole concert for a few things. Yep. I mean, I've got ideas about concerts in general as well. But all right, can you remember your first concert? I can remember my first proper concert. I, I think I'd probably seen live bands prior to this okay. but my first I think my first proper concert where we got tickets and had to go to a, a proper venue was mm-hmm. probably around I think 1987 
I saw George Thorogood at Festival Hall with my sister Julie and I camped out. Well, mm-hmm. we didn't quite camp out, but we got tickets. Back in the days when you couldn't even buy online tickets, you had to yep. go to the actual you know, Bass, Bass outlet yes. and buy your tickets. Mm-hmm. And we went to see George Thorogood, who is famous for Bad to the Bones, probably the most popular song that most people would know. Yep. And as a little impressionable teenager, it blew me away. Okay. And I can remember I bought myself a Delaware Destroyers t-shirt, sleeveless back t-shirt with Destroyers and a little map of Delaware on it. And I still own that t-shirt now. Wow. And it still actually fits me. So that's pretty impressive well, too. Go. It's it's more of a grey t-shirt than a black t-shirt now. But I yeah. actually, yeah. I, I, all right, we'll get on. I was going to do about different concepts of concerts and stuff, but we'll talk about the, the, the merchandise and the branding. All right, jump into yeah, that first. All right, let's go into that. So you, you, you still have that. I do. I still have a lot of mine too. I have notoriously had owned too many t-shirts. Yes. Like a lot. And I've gone through cleansing and I've gone through culls and this and that, but there's t-shirts that I've kept because they were from concert I've been to. So they're saved in one of those vacuum sealed sort of bags, yep. space saver bags. Yeah. So it's sort of like they are that time capsule of all the bands yep. that you went and saw and stuff like that. And Yeah. So I, I have way too many of those, that's for sure, that don't fit anymore, unfortunately. See, I, I don't think I've bought a lot of t-shirts at concerts. I did, like, it was, yeah. But my first concert, I think, was Young Talent time. <laughs> but that was obviously when I was young. See, I don't talented. know if I'd class that. <laughs> I'd class that as a concert, or whether I'd class that as a, a performance. What sort of? To me, it was a concert. That was the first thing. But the I guess first, that was live. I think I went and saw John Farnham with my mother. Hmm. That might have been my first concert. But my first concert with my sister, like we've both got older sisters here, so yes, she took me to Noise Works at Festival Hall. But a week before, they actually played on the steps of Parliament House here in Melbourne, or Government House. Yeah. Um, and I saw them there like a few days before, and then they did the proper gig at Festival Hall. So that was my first concert like without my mum. Yeah. And my first ever concert where I went with a mate was Transvision Vamp. <laughs> that was pretty cool. That is pretty but cool. But I sat down the whole time. Like, yeah. I didn't, you know, I didn't know etiquette or... No. I know when I went and saw Joel Surrogate, I, I was like sitting up the back. I wasn't in the, in the mosh where was pit. was it? Festival Hall as well. Yeah. Now, all right. I just said etiquette. Concert etiquette. Yeah. There is mosh pits. Now, we are coming from an era of 90s grunge. Yeah. 90s metal, 90s yep. rock and all that sort of stuff. So, we, you have been in your fair share of mosh pits? Yes. I've been in my fair share of mosh pits. I am six foot four and a fat fuck. So there is no way I'm crowd surfing or any of those sort of things, but I have been in a mosh pit. I have controlled space in a mosh pit. Yeah. Because <laughs> talking about camping out before, I have camped out once, hmm. at least once for a concert, and that was for the President's United States of America. I don't know why. I was so in the moment where a mate goes, do you want to go see them? It's like, yeah, we'll, go, we'll camped out. So I camped out at Moorabbin. Oh, God. Um, to get tickets to this band, which I probably didn't need to camp for. Yeah. But yeah. And by the time the concert came around, I was so bored with the idea. I was like, I didn't give a shit. And I did the same thing with Green Day. I, I was about Green to say Day. Green Day as well. Yeah. And I was like, like and in the end, like, I, I forget which one was first, but it's where I did it. It's like, I was there with my mates. It's all well and good. And I was just getting angry and getting back to etiquette with a mosh pit. People are dickheads. Yes. All right. Now, you being a big guy, yep. do people use you as a launch pad to get up? Yes, they yeah, do. Yeah, they do because they're idiots. And, and, and they also think that if they can stage dive, because I'm a big dude, I'll probably catch them, mm. which – I guess I can. You now, can. I'm not yeah. going to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's sort of like, so that, that happens a lot. So this leads me to another question because both of us wear glasses. Yeah. And we've both been wearing glasses for quite a while. Yeah. If you're in the pit, do you take your glasses off? I should have. <laughs> 
I saw Faith No More twice in two days. Yep. First time I went, glasses in the car, go to Mosh tonight. Go, you know, didn't even, that was fine. That was all well and good. Went the second time, go, no, I'm going to leave the glasses on. I'm going to watch. I'm just going to watch. I, I, I moshed last night. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to watch today. Three songs in. I was like, I can't just watch. I want to get in. And needless to say, I found the arm of my glasses at the end of the concert. So, yeah, off is recommended. Yeah, I'm one of those people that can't see very well without my glasses. So I, I kind of always think, yeah, I better wear my glasses so I can at least see the band. Yep. But I do have an older pair of glasses that I drag out. Glasses. Oh, my, God, my mosh glasses, exactly. <laughs> Not that I do a hell of a lot of moshing now, but they, they were always wear the old glasses, so if they do get broken. Yes, but I mean, the mosh bits, like I, one of my best gigs I've ever seen was Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine back in 1993. Three? I think, I think the last time he did say that it was the last time he was And it was him. amazing. Now, I hadn't seen a lot of gigs at that point, but it was fucking amazing. It was also fucking hot because it was January. I think it was the day before or the day after the Guns and Roses concert in Calder the infamous concert oh, okay. where they were selling $5 or back then $5 was a lot for water because I remember them making a joke about you can get water here it's just over there there's no problem but I remember after that gig wringing out my t-shirt and it was just wringing out sweat and it was just gross and it's like I don't know how much of it's mine because <laughs> just my early it was my, probably my first experience of a mosh pit I, I did do the big day out the week before because I saw Carter there and a lot of other bands. And let's get on to that. So we've got concerts, which um, Festival Hall to Tennis Centre to places like that. They're your 4,000 to 20,000 seat menus. Yep. It's a concert, Yep, I, I would say. And then you've got gigs, which I would call a gig is what you see at a pub. Yeah, exactly. Right? And then you've got festivals, yep. which is like big day out, Soundwave, Alternative Nation, those sort of things. Now, they're all different experiences. Now, Carter, the one I saw, that was at a pub. That was a gig. And that was awesome because those sort of concerts, they're smaller, you know, and they're hardcore fans are there. You know, you're there with yeah, a couple you, hundred people. Exactly. And they, these people love this band. And we being indie assholes back then, we love the cool bands. We don't like that all popular stuff, you know, whatever. And I saw a lot of bands like that. I saw a few, like I've seen John Farnham and stuff like that, and that's fine. And I've grown up with that. So you're sort of used to it. And I saw Midnight Oil at, at the Tennis Centre and bands like that but it wasn't until a friend rang me out one night to see guns and roses he goes oh got an extra ticket do you want to come it's like but it's nine o'clock at night and he goes it's axel he won't be on it for ages so i literally turn up just as paradise city's playing and i didn't miss anything and i got there at like 10 <laughs> o'clock at night so i didn't have to see skid row so everyone wins but yeah so and then when i saw that it's like ah oh, this is stadium rock i get this and then it wasn't long after that where my wife wanted to see pink and I saw that, I forget which song it was now, but there's a film clip of her doing all the aerial stuff and the ribbons and this and that. And it's like, that's a pretty amazing gig. All right, I'll go to see Pink with you. That looks amazing. And that's when I realized this is a production. You know, I've seen gigs. I've seen Midnight Oil get up on the tennis center and perform, which yep. is fine. But no, this is using the space. This is like full production. This has got special effects and trapeze and all this sort of stuff so yeah it's yeah, a real show yeah and it was sort of like this is totally different to what i'm used to yeah that was interesting and then again i went to the first big day out here in melbourne i think it was the second one although i think sydney had one the year before it was just sydney and that was great to see new bands and especially at that age i was like 20 
19. And it's just an exposure. Like you go there, it's like, oh, Nick Cave's going to be on and this guy, this band, this band, this band. You get excited about that. And that's also the first time. First band, 10 o'clock in the morning, I saw the Fireballs. I became a lifelong fan of this band. You know, it's a little Melbourne three-piece with double bass, you know, and three yeah, massive sort of hooks. Rockabilly sort of yeah, sound. Yeah, that was great. And the amount of times I've followed them around to see them do pub gigs was awesome. Also, the first time I saw Tism, and it's like blew me away. It's yeah. like, so yeah, I saw Carter there. I knew who Carter was, and that was one of the reasons I went. So that was great. But yeah, I, I was exposed to things like Tism and Tism and the Fireballs. But then you have you in the end, you say, I saw Iggy Pop. Oh, I saw Nick Cave. So I can turn around and say, I've seen all these bands, and it's sort of under the one ticket. And you're young enough that you can survive this. Yep. It's a long day, and you're either it's either stupid fucking hot or it's raining. Yeah. It's never just perfect weather for these things. But it's really, really cool. And, I mean, I saw The Prodigy before I knew what The Prodigy was. I went, mm. the, the boiler room was sort of the, the industrial dancey sort of acts. And I went in there one year, and I was like, oh, this band, Prodigy, that's cool. Some dude's dancing. He doesn't seem to do anything else. And, yeah, a year later, it's like, oh, I saw that band. Yeah. You know, and stuff like that, you sort of come across bands. And the worst thing, though, is you miss bands because there's generally – between three and five stages and there's always something going on if not there's multiple things going on so you go i'm gonna go and see this band and then all of a sudden you missed something really cool on another stage that yep. you found out later was like i really should have gone and seen that yeah see i never got a chance to actually go to the big day out which mm. is a bit of a shame i remember one year i think smashing pumpkins were on and someone else and someone else and i i went to all these side shows and i probably could have just gone to the big day out and spent yeah. the same amount of money but, but that's the thing is that like yeah that's cool but people are annoying i'll get back to etiquette later but at a, at a big day out if you go well, i want to go see carter all the carter fans are going to be there with you but yeah. you're also going to have drunken stone wanker dickheads going oh this band will do i'm going to mosh and punch people in the head it's like, no, I want to see the band. Fuck off. Yep. And it's generally a 45-minute set. Yeah. So Whereas, if you're a yeah. fan of a band, you go see the sideshow. Because yep. it's, it's a better show for a fan. Yep. It's a great little sampler, and sometimes it's the only way you're going to see them, so you take it. But you get more out of it. But yeah, if you're a big fan of a band, the sideshow is a better show. Yeah, because I can remember seeing Smashing Pumpkins, and Def FX actually did the support when I saw Seeing them. Seeing them a few times, too. But they did, at the opening of their set, they had the car chase from Bullet oh, cool. on a big screen sort of up behind them. Yep. And it, as it started, it was just the projection of this. And then just at the finish moment of the car set, uh, the car chase, the band came out and started playing. And I was like, what a great way to start the well, concert. That's funny that you say that because that would be amazing to see a projection on a, a sheet, essentially. Yep. Where, you know, when I saw Midnight Oil, the most extravagant you got was probably a painted backdrop or maybe projected. And that was it. Yep. And he had his corrugated iron water tank that he could drum on for the Power on the Passion drum solo. That's as far as it got now. Like I saw Queen last week and what they do with audiovisual, yep. the screens they can do, the projections they can do, it's just like, okay, going back to that show you watched on Netflix, I'm tempted to see what this woman does with her stage directions. Yeah. Yeah, what you can do now on stage production, it's, it's amazing. Like I, I may have talked about it on the show before, but I went and saw Britney and she did her circus tour. And I just watched that for the logistics in the end because it wasn't for her voice, <laughs> that's for sure, you know, because anyone can listen to her mime. It's no, no big deal. But there was midgets doing trapeze. There's armless legless dudes on trampolines. There's, you know, all this circus hacks going on and people just escorting her from one part of the stage to the other because she had no idea what was going on. Okay. And I just found it fascinating just to watch whoever directed this. It was amazing just to sort of see how they did it. Yeah. Just like, how do you keep her alive? <laughs> 
and doing her thing. So, yeah, things like that now I love. So I've gone and seen Gaga. I've seen Katy Perry. I've seen Britney and Pink and all this sort of stuff because they're shows. They put on a show, yep. a full-on production, a Miley, multiple times. <laughs> but, yeah, and then it's sort of like I saw recently Queen plus Adam Lambert. It's all all the branding is Queen plus Adam Lambert. So it's very yeah. diversified. The two are separate. That was pretty amazing just to sort of see that. And something I do like in the fact that I can tick off a bucket list of things I have seen live. And now it isn't Freddie. I haven't seen Freddie. Unfortunately, there's no way I can see Freddie. Yeah. I can tick off a couple of Queen songs. And that was pretty damn cool. But, you know, thanks to listener of the show, Joel, a friend of ours. He used to work with the tennis centre. So we used to get the odd freebie ticket every yeah. On them, which was great. So I end up seeing System of Down through him. Yep, we went to that together, didn't we? Yes, I think I got to see in the super box as well. We ended. I ended up seeing Duran Duran and Metallica. That was kind of cool. That was a separate bill. Yeah, different, different, not, <laughs> not, not the one night. And I got to see Journey. And sure, it's not with Steve Perry, but I got to see Don't Stop Believing live. So I love when I can do those. Here's one off the bucket list I've seen live. Yeah, that sort of stuff. So I've definitely seen plenty of gigs, plenty of concerts, plenty of festivals. Yep. So yeah. So let's let's get on to etiquette for a second here. Okay. Now you went to a lot of gigs at Festival. Hall. Uh, not, not that many at Festering Hall. But in the 90s? Yeah. Seeing some grungy bands, heavy metal bands? Yep. With mosh pits? Yeah. It was the 90s? Yep. A lot of dope? Probably. A lot of dreadlocks? Back when you could still smoke inside and, yeah. Fucking stinks. Yes. Sweaty dreadlocks, sweaty, smoky dreadlocks. Yes. Not a good look. when they're swinging it around. Fucking disgusting. And like like you said, we went and saw a band last week. It was nice not having smoke in there. It was nice having smelly dreadlocks in your face. It was like... <sighs> it was pleasant. It and was. the fact that we were seeing a band and we were one of the youngest ones there because it was yeah. you know, retro bands from the 90s. It was kind of cool just to see a bunch of people who, yeah, I mean, the mosh pit did go off. I'll give them that. And I was tempted to get in there, but I didn't have my mosh glasses. So I couldn't go in. <laughs> no, I was quite happy to hang down the back and just listen to the band. I was getting into it though. But it was funny because like the lead singer, was like, the, I remember when I went and saw him a couple of years ago, he had like wraps around his knees and he didn't stop bouncing. I was like, well, he's older than me and he's still getting around on stage. So, you know, fair enough. So I was looking out for him, but he had longer pants on today. So I couldn't see if his knees were strapped like last time, but they did put mats down for I him. I noticed so, that too, yeah. So his bouncing was a little... Little more supported, but I can tell you now, it's been a week since that concert. My back and my legs still sore. Yeah, my ankles are still a little bit sore from <laughs> jumping like, up and down. From standing so much. But yeah, it was good to go back and see that with mm. a bunch of like-minded well, older people. Yes. Well, talking about festivals, I think the first festival I actually went to was the M1 Festival that Triple M put on at, I think it was Colonial Stadium back then. It wasn't even Eddie had at that broke, stage. Yeah. yeah. And there was a couple of bands on there that I was quite interested to see. Mm-hmm. Like the Goo Goo Dolls were very good. There was Simple Plan, who I hadn't really heard of at that time, and they, they kind of blew me away with their stage energy mm. but a, a little bit of full disclosure about me here this was the first time i saw nickelback live and all right you know what scares me about <laughs> that sentence the first time well i have now seen nickelback <laughs> four times i think and you talk about stadium rock nickelback are one of those bands where you hear them on record and you think oh yeah they're kind of a bit wussy but if you see them live they are like a totally different band they really rock out when you see them live and yeah the, the last time they came out here again thanks to joel I managed to get freebie tickets and my wife and I and two of our friends, listener to the show, Simon and his wife, the four of us went to Nickelback and it was a great concert. It was just a really good rock and concert. So yes, I, I recommend Nickelback as a live band. <laughs> 
But other festivals that I've been to, we went to Soundwave a couple of years ago. Yep. I think it was 2015. Mm-hmm. And there was just a few bits on that that I was really looking forward to seeing a couple of the headline bands, but there was also a couple of lesser bands on the bill as well that I was really keen to see. And again, it's kind of like that ticking off the moment sort of thing that I was always a big fan of Bayside. And I, I think you hadn't heard of them and you kept calling Still them haven't. Riverside and Riverdale <laughs> and you kept like making fun of them. But there, there was a couple of songs of theirs that when they played them live, I, I was like, yep, I can tick that off because now I've seen them. And they're just like a little five-piece rock band from New York that play just kind of almost punky type rock. Yep. And they were playing at one of the smaller stages like early in the day, 11 o'clock in the morning or something like that. And there was probably only a couple of hundred people watching them, but I really loved them. And then a little bit later on on that same stage, the Aquabats played. Mm-hmm. And I think we've seen the Aquabats a couple of years prior to that because they did support for Real Big Fish. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'll get to Real Big Fish in a minute. But again, seeing the Aquabats, and I don't know if it was a combination of the fact that it had been a couple of hours of sitting in the sun. I'd already had a couple of beers by that stage. We'd been standing up a lot. And I was just getting to the stage where I was like, yeah, I've seen a couple of bands. I haven't really known what's going on. And then the Aquabats started mm. and they played Pool Party. Yep. And I was like, yep, this is for me. And I remember getting in the pit there and just going off. And I think as well, the Interrupters played just after the Aquabats and neither of us had, had seen them or heard them or knew anything about them. We just knew that it was three dudes with shaved heads and a girl lead singer and we thought, oh, yeah, we might give this a go. And I think that turned out to be one of the highlights of the day for me. Wow. Yes, they were good. They weren't they were, Faith No More. But they were no Faith No More. But I, again, I'd never seen Faith No More live, so I didn't really know what to expect. The greatest band in the world. I thought they were a little bit less chatty, I guess, between the, the songs and they were more business. Yep. And on the flip side of that as well, Soundgarden played as on, on the bill as well. And I was quite keen to see Soundgarden, but then I just thought they were incredibly pretentious we when away, they played. Didn't we? Yeah, I, I, think we, I think we did. I think we, we Soundgarden were playing, and we're like, this. and we were like, well, Faith No More is going to be on in a couple of minutes at Let's the next stage. Why don't there. we just go find some good posies? Yeah. yeah, but it was interesting, as you say. It was quite a warm day, and by the end of it, being standing up for like eight hours, I was a bit stuffed, and I was continuously stuffed for the next couple of weeks because I had my old docks on rather than my new docks, and I think they're a little bit tight, and I ended up losing the toenails on my big. <laughs> because my feet were too squashed in the shoes but yeah but yeah as far as moments go seeing Faith No More play I Started a Joke Mm -hmm. was just goosebumps and a couple of other concerts prior to that I think moments stand out as well like when we saw Bloodhound Gang Mm -hmm. they did the song Ralph Wiggum which is basically a song made up of quotes from the Simpsons from the Ralph Wiggum character and I don't know what it was when we saw that I just lost my shit when they played that it was just so you remember that? I remember him purposely throwing up on the on, on his bandmate. Or th- oh, sorry, first throwing up into a jug of beer, re-drinking his vomit, then throwing up on his bandmate. Yeah, so that was the bass player. What's his name? Jared Hasselhoff. No, no, it was the lead singer who did that. Was it? I yeah, it was Jared. No, who did. Jared got his dick out and dragged the um, <laughs> the speaker boxes across the stage. You don't remember that? You remember Ralph Wiggum? I, I remember that. Okay, yeah, <laughs> each, each to their own. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was a really good concert. And that yes. was that was at, what do they Billboard. call that? Billboard, Russell Street, 170 Russell or something. Mm-hmm. And then we also saw Real Big Fish there as well. Yep. And I've kind of been a, a fan of Real Big Fish for a long time. And we do use a Real Big Fish song for our entrance music here on Entrance Music, our intro music on the podcast. Mm. And again, seeing them and hearing them play Somebody That's Hates funny. Me. Yeah, yeah, it was good. But also, it's funny because there's bands you know, and there just seems to be a polish. Like, whenever you go and see, and there's three. 
three bands in a, in the lineup. Yeah. And the first one is generally your local band or whatever. They might get a second band who's, I think it was Area 7 or something. Less Than Jake. Less it? Than Jake, that's the one. Yeah. So it was Less Than Jake, the second one. And they're a Polish band as well. Yeah. But it's just, there was levels. And it just depends, because I'm sure there's some Less Than Jake fans there and they were excited for it, but everyone was there to see Real Big Fish or most people. Yeah. So it was just that level above where it's sort of like, okay, we've stepped up a bit here. And I don't know if they do the sound mix different for the undercard of, of music acts. Sometimes it's just the main acts seem to just sound better. Now, whether it's just because you know the songs and you're more prepared for it, but they do. I'm sure they do. I, I can remember back in the 90s, I went and saw uh, In Excess because Urge Overkill were doing support for them. So you hadn't seen Faith No More, but you have seen Urge Overkill. Yeah. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> but Urge Overkill, for me, was the reason I was going. And it was kind of like, well, yeah, I'm going to see this In Excess. I may as well hang around. Yeah. And... The mix they had for Edge Overkill was really bad. Mm. But then when In Excess came on, I was like, well, I actually know a hell of a lot more of these songs than I thought I did. And I actually had a pretty good time with In Excess as well. Mm, cool. But now, all right, injuries. I don't think I've had any other than my toe from Soundwave. Okay. All right. I, I've been kicked in the head. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the Suicidal Tendencies and Alice in Chains concert. I sat through all the Suicidal Tendencies. One song into Alice in Chains, which is the reason I was there. Lead singer comes out, has no voice. At the end of the tour, he has literally no voice. He can't sing. And people are doing stupid shit. We were talking about stage divers. Stage divers are annoying. Yep. And there's a great Evan Dorkin cartoon where it's got a guy up on top of the mosh pit going, look at me, look at me. I'm a big fan of the band, but no one look at the band, look at me because I'm crowd surfing because I'm a fucking wanker. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what's worse than crowd surfing? Doing somersaults when you're on top of a fucking crowd. <laughs> and when you're doing a somersault and you're wearing fucking Doc Martin boots, your heel has to go somewhere. Guess where it went? Into your my head. fucking head. And it busted my head open. What I thought was really bad. There was a shitload of fucking blood. You know how getting through a mosh pit, it's pretty hard. People don't want to get out of your way. People don't move. Yep. They fucking move when there's blood oh, pouring down do. your face. So yeah, so needless to say, two, three songs into the Elves in Chain set, I go to the St. John's Ambulance. I put ice on my head for the whole fucking concert. <laughs> it finally stops for the encore, which you can't fucking sing anyway. So that was a fun experience. I, I've mentioned I'm a fat fuck. I've broken my feet a lot. Like the fifth metatarsal on both feet, I have broken for various reasons, like beach volleyball or whatever, but moshing, not great for weak feet. And I have broken my feet a few times in concerts or rebroken them because I think, oh, no, it's good now. Crack. Ah, oh, fuck. They did it again. I'm, see, I'm surprised you've never broken your ankles because you have very skinny ankles. I do have Captain Skinny Ankles 2000, <laughs> I was known as. But no, no, no. Fifth metatarsal's broken a couple of times, including going to the festival Alternative Nation back in the day. Oh, really? And it was on an awkward outdoor bit for Deaf FX, a very small stage, but there was sort of like, it's dirt with rocks in it. I just landed awkwardly on a rock. So it was a long walk back to the car because I had my friend and my sister on either side sort of holding me up as I'm walking back and forth. So I couldn't mosh to a body count. Mm. And I remember Violent Femmes played. Now everyone, and Alternative Nation was done by Triple M. So they were trying to cash in on the big day out. And they were bringing out alternative bands, but they were sort of cool alternative Triple M equivalent. So they're sort, sort of, of alternative made. bands that had started to cross yeah. over into the mainstream. So, I mean, Live was the first time I saw that. And that was, they were really good. Yeah, so Violent Femmes are playing. And people want to mosh. And you know what the space is like when people are in that confined space. Yeah. And when you're not moshing, 
there's nowhere to go. So you get that wave of people where they just take up space and someone moves to the right and then everyone moves with them because it's just got this wave of people because until you mosh, you sort of people are out of time, so therefore you're taking up half the space that you did before so you can fit when you're not. It's just weird. Everyone's waiting to do something and because it's Violent Femmes, they're not really... You know, unless They're you not play both in the wash, sun. A mosh band. No, exactly. So people are just trying to do it. Yeah. So the two injuries that I can think of and the broken glasses at a Faith No More gig. I think they're the worst casualties I've had at a concert. Fights. Big Audio Dynamite 2. My sister got me out of a fight because this guy was bouncing around like a drunken fucking knob. And it's like, he keeps bouncing into me. This is fucking annoying. <laughs> I crossed my arms and then I pulled my elbows up. <laughs> so whenever he bounced towards me, he bounced into my elbows. Now we've established we're big guys, six foot four. So you know, he got to a point where he got really annoyed that my elbows kept he kept bouncing into my elbows because I didn't fucking move. And he turned around and pointed at me, saying, "You fucking hit me again! I'm going to do this." My sister <laughs> reaches across, grabs him by the throat, and says, "Leave my brother alone!" <laughs> and he walked away. I didn't have to fight; it was all good. <laughs> Lucky. Yeah, she's tougher than me. I'm a, I'm a big wuss. See, I, I never got into fights. No. But I'm, I was never a real get into the mosh pit sort of person either. I was more of a stand on the outside of the mosh pit and just yep. enjoy the band. I got to that. Yeah. You know, I, I could pick at the edge of a mosh pit going, yeah. oh, this is the edge. I know where I'm going to be. This is, And we're tall, so we can see over the top and yeah. it's a good place to and, be. And see, I, n- I never really like getting right up the front because oh, I, no, no, I, no, the I front, feel no, bad no. for the people behind me. Yeah, I, same. Hmm. So, uh, talking about mosh pits, like I said, I went to Live and Green Day. By the time the concert came around, I didn't give a shit. And I, did, and I get, like I said about the etiquette, there are dickheads out there. Yeah. So, people go, oh, mosh pit means you hit people. No, you don't. There's slam dancing as well. Yeah. And people just don't get it. And if you slam, you know, when you run and you run into people, but they know you're coming. You know, there's a sort of a, yes, I respect you. We're going to do this. We're not trying to hurt each other. We're just, you're just yeah. bumping off each other. Yeah. Right? You know, and that's all good. You know, I mean, we all want to be Nicolas Cage and Wild at Heart. <laughs> <laughs> so doing that is fine, but it's just being bigger. I could decide, well, I could hurt you if you really want to go there. Yeah. But it got to a point where those dickheads, like I was probably hitting t- mid-twenties at this point. I was the old elder statesman of the, you know, Green Day, all these 17-year-olds coming in and going, oh, I see Green Day, has gone nuts, I'm going nuts, I'm going to hit people because it's mosh pit. No, no. So you sort of go, I'm going to take that guy out. <laughs> so I, I sort of tee it up with my mate going, let's count it down. Slam time. <laughs> so we just sort of one, two, three, run at each other and bounce in the direction of the dickheads. And other people join in on slamming properly. All yeah. right. So we yeah. did it. And we literally had a circle of 10 meters that no one would go in because, you know, about five or six other people joined us for this slam. You know, we were slamming and it was fucking awesome. It's like, oh, so we did that on purpose. Then we were doing wrestling moves in the middle of it. We were doing Tatonka dances around, started a conga line because I was so fucking bored at the concert in the end yeah. that we were like, what can we do here. So see, I was is, being an arrogant twonk. <laughs> this is really not even, it's not an American idiot type Green Day. This is like around when Nimrod came out. So Dookie had been out and Nimrod came out. So this is early in the Green Day sort of <laughs> yeah. you know, timeline. But yeah, you were already over them. I was over them. Mm. Yeah. Now, as far as other just concert experiences, something that I didn't think I would ever live to see myself, mm. it was probably... Neil Diamond. No, see, I haven't I, seen, I've seen did he say? Did he say good Lord or did he say... Of course he yeah. fucking did. Because I've heard that sometimes he doesn't. Really? Yeah. Like, I would like to see someone like that, but then I think, well, 
maybe I should have seen them in their prime exactly. rather than now. Yeah, I mean, that's the like I'd love to see Tom Jones, but I don't think he would be as good no. as he was there. My mum has seen him plenty of times, and she's like the last time she saw him, which was a while ago now, saying, "No, I'm done. I've, mm. He does, doesn't have it anymore." No, but as far as experiences go, mm. we went and saw Insane Clown Posse yes. when they came out here, and I think it was about 2006, 2007. Mm. It was quite a while ago because I think it was before I had kids, and I can remember telling people that where they were like, "Oh, where are you going tonight?" And we're like, "Oh, we're going to go and see Insane." Clown Posse. And most people either don't know what Insane Clown Posse is or they do know what Insane Clown Posse is and they're like, oh, why do you like them? (laughs) But the whole premise of ICP is that they spray cheap soft drink over the crowd. And I'd seen live shows of theirs on video clips on YouTube and I thought it was just something that they did maybe once or twice in the concert. But I think it was four or five lines into the first song they brought the crates of soft drink out. And I I was counting in the end because we didn't go and watch Pit for this one. I was like, oh, yeah. Just, I'm just going to watch an experience. So even before getting in, it was great. Because if you don't know, the Insane Clown Posse are two rappers from Detroit who wear clown makeup. And their thematic like yep. the, of the whole concept is they're bringing on the apocalypse. It's sort of like this weird sort of thing. But they sort of got over that now. But at the time, that's what they were sort of doing with the Joker card and yep. Malenko album. And, you know, they had fans and underage fans. And this was an over-18 gig. And... I don't think he was crying, <laughs> but there was a dude out the front, full makeup, who couldn't get in. Yeah, poor little didn't tubers. have his ID. Poor no. little juggalo. But by the time console came around, we sort of like this. It's cemented. Like we liked. I mean, I love the Malenko album. I still do. Yeah, I love the concept behind everything, and I, I, I. It's more a curiosity now. But watching the concert, it made me go. I, I like the music. I kind of like the band. I don't like, like the fans. fans. Yeah, no. and that reinforced that. Yeah, watching sure. that concert. So a lot of the concert I like too is people watching. Yeah, and sort of like you sort of look at the people and do the different things. And watching Insane Cloud Posse was interesting. Just and, the amount of people with makeup on. And it was funny. And this is where I sort of got respect for the band in a little way because they, I think. Fuck with their fans because, like you said, they spray normally it's Fago, which is a, a very cheap Detroit based soft drink yep. or soda over there. So I was looking at and I end up counting because I was doing the people watching and watching the show. And it's them two, they had a band or just a backing track? No, I think they just had a backing track. So it's them two rapping, not really talking much, but they had like a crew I don't think of, they talked at all. I think they only talked yeah. right before their last song. They were kind of like, well, thanks. Thanks, Melbourne. Yeah, thanks, Melbourne. And like a crew of five people on stage who just sprayed soft drink. Yep. And I think I counted in the end because they were bringing out cartons of two-litre things of Diet Pepsi because they had the labels on the box, but they ripped the labels off the bottle. Yeah. And I'm watching it out, and they also had a bucket of soft drink where they must have poured some in and super soakers, and they were just drawing it out and spraying. And it went the whole concert. I think I counted it was 120 bottles. I know. Imagine the cleanup afterwards. It was disgusting. So they are literally spraying, and they do like football kicks they kick open bottles into the crowd and everything so we were far enough away we didn't get any on us but it was just fascinating to watch and I was just how many more are they going to bring out and it was well over 100 2 litre bottles of soft drink yeah. they sprayed they you know shake it up and spray it on the crowd and kick it out and do all that sort of stuff and this is what I respect them the most for doing because their fans are dicks <laughs> at the end of the concert they drop glitter <laughs> <laughs> so all the dickheads are out there covered in this sticky, sugary mess, get glitter dropped on them that they can't get off and they have to go home. It's so like, wow. Yeah. Talk about disdain for your audience. It was just bizarre. But the, the fans love it, though. Mm. But it, again, that, that is one of my highlights because they finished with their version of Let's Go All The Way mm. and they do their rap bit and then they just let the music sort of just 
drain out with their backing track and the house lights come up, they walk off stage and as you said, yeah, they dropped all the glitter on the crowd. <laughs> and yeah, it was it was crazy. And every year around June, July, when they have the gathering of the Juggalos in, in America, we watch that infomercial <laughs> on YouTube and we sit there and go, one year we're going to do it. One yeah. year we're going to fly to Detroit just to go and see the gathering of the Juggalos. And I think that will be one concert that, or one festival that would really be a, an eye-opener and you would never forget that. No. But yes, that, that was a very interesting concert, wasn't it? Yeah. So anything else you want to mention as far as concerts go? Uh, I mean, so many memories. So many things I've seen live. Oh, I did see Pearl Jam when they came out. Now, they did. we got tickets early for the Sydney My Music Bowl show, which is where they do, if you know Melbourne, the carols by candlelight, where they do that. It's an outdoor stadium sort of thing. And we got tickets in the front section. Out the front section, there's seats. Otherwise, it's a big grass expanse where you just park your spot where you can get it. And we were lucky enough to get seats in the ticket. But they got extra concerts a few days earlier, and they did it at the tennis centre. And, and I don't think of Pearl Jam as a riotous-inducing band, but they uprooted the seats. That, do you remember? I don't remember the tennis centre one, though. I do remember there being like a massive rush of fans. No, no, no. Well, my music a few days like. earlier, they were ripping up seats and things like that. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. They're not that sort of band, but that, that's what happened. So I was sort of worried. Yeah. So I'm there. We're watching this band. And behind us, there is a fence that keeps the seated area separate from the grassed area. And there was a fence around the area to keep, obviously, so people bought tickets can get in. Otherwise, you can't. The whole time, I was just worried that there's going to be a surge of people coming down and I'm going to get crushed. That was (laughs) the whole time. And that, yeah, in the end, it was just... It didn't happen, but I found out later people actually put the push the fence down outside, so people just got into the concert free in the grass area, but mm. no one got into our area. But it was sort of like, yeah, just the whole time I was just thinking, I'm going to get, I'm going to get <laughs> crushed. Just didn't happen. Mm. Mm. So we did throw the question out on Twitter and Facebook. Yep. And we did get one response. One. Huge oh, one response yep. from Derek Bulldog, mm. Bulldog O'Reilly, our wrestling friend. Yep. So he said that he really enjoyed Midnight Oil last year on Marriage Equality Day. He also thought that the Foo Fighters and Weezer earlier this year was really good, mainly for Weezer. Yep. And I guess if I'd have gone to that, it would have been mainly for Weezer. I love Foo Fighters, but the idea of seeing Weezer live would have been pretty good, maybe back in the 90s rather than now. But yeah, that, that he also saw Kiss in 2013 where he was front of stage. Oh, wow. And he's a, a big dude as well, so he was probably right in the way of the mosh pit there. And he also said going to the Corner Hotel and seeing The Darkness play their first gig in Australia with The Shine doing the opening act was actually really good as well. Yeah. And I think we've seen The Shine together quite a few times too. We've seen a few times. Yeah. Los Amigos. Yeah. Mm. But the, the Shine are a good live band. I wouldn't say they're a huge, one of my all-time favourite concerts, <laughs> but they're a fun band to see live. Yep. And the fact that we know Julian's a good thing too. Yes. But yes, like you said, there, there has been lots of concerts that we've seen. There's quite a few that we've seen together. Mm. And there is a lot of things that stick out. Would you say there is a band that you would really have loved to have seen that was on your bucket list that you never got the chance to see? Oh, Queen with Freddie. Yeah. Definitely. i got to tell this story. Okay. We were at Queen the other week and, and like I said, the people watching. Yep. And Queen was interesting because there was such a wide variety of people over various ages. And two seats in front of us was this young girl. I'm terrible with ages. She could have been 16. She could have been 22. I don't know. But every time Adam came toward the stage, our end of the stage, she stood up with her sign and was waving at him, like waving, like, look at me, really desperate. You could see in the body language, just fucking look at me, please. And the sign said, I'm here for Adam. 
It's like, okay, that's fine. He's not here for you, love. <laughs> I've got more chance with him than you do. And I have no chance with him. It was just funny watching her. And then he came out. It was a Queen set, obviously. He came out. Well, I think he came out a while ago. <laughs> but he was singing his his song, one of his tricks. What will you do for me? Or what do you want from me? What do you want from me? That one. And she stood up the whole time for that. And I was like, okay, that's fine. It's your song. You can have it, love. You know, I could see plenty, you know, but she was just getting up. And it was annoying me. It's like, he can't see you for a start. He's got lights in his eyes. You're in the dark. You're 35 feet away. He can't see you. And he's a professional. He's not going to acknowledge you. Yep. And this is where you, it's amazing to see pros. And that's, I mean, seeing a gig's different. The Mavis is a, a bloody little hotel in Fitzroy, you know, where there's 50 people there. It's a bit different. You know, you're connecting <laughs> like, with everybody. Like when we saw Death of X a couple of years ago and Fiona was having a conversation <laughs> with the crowd. Yeah. She went out and saw Becky from the Mavis again. Hi, how are you? No worries. You know, middle of the gig. But yeah, when you're talking that big, they don't do it on purpose. They're not going to acknowledge you because they acknowledge you and they didn't acknowledge the 12,000 other people. They're going to get pissed off. So they have a knack and they're professional at looking at everybody without actually looking at anyone. Yeah. You know, they're, they're very good at it. But she doesn't know that. And the dickheads. Like, if you go to a concert, they play music beforehand. Yep. Yeah? Now, you've been to enough concerts now. You know when a concert's going to start, don't you? Yeah. It's silent. Yep. And they turn the fucking lights off. Yeah, exactly. Right. Not a... the. They're just playing generic music before a gig, and then a, a song stops, and everyone's like... <gasps> and then they'll play something else. It's like, oh, that's not it yet. It's like... Of course it's not it. <laughs> you know you know when a concert's about to start. You're a fucking idiot. How many concerts? You know? oh, I think the worst was Lady Gaga concert I went to. Like, obviously, a lot of people who haven't been to concerts for a while or something. <laughs> they were playing the best of Michael Jackson beforehand. And every time the song ended, you could literally feel the air in the room get sucked out. Everyone go, oh, it's about to start. No, it's not. It's another Michael Jackson song. What are you doing? Dickheads. But anyway, this is, you know, this young girl, two girls, she had the fizziest knickers by the end of this concert because... <laughs> She was so excited for Adam Lambert and it was so wasted on him. But the funny thing in the people watching was the woman behind her was so put out by it that I found that hilarious because she was just, she kept looking back at me and doing this oh, oh, face. And I was like, mm, I can't fucking do anything about it. You, you whinged to her. I didn't say anything. I gave her that look in my face or I didn't look. Every time she looked at me, I looked somewhere else, like at Adam's dreamy eyes. But it's just like, and she kept looking at her husband and every time it's just like, oh, oh. Oh, and even he was ignoring it by the end of it. It's like, mm. enjoy yourself, love. We're at a concert. Again, that's part of that whole concert etiquette. A lot of people obviously will sing along at a concert. Yes. And I don't really have a problem with that. But when you get people that are just talking to each other rather than listening to the band, I find that really offensive. That is rude. Yeah. When we went and saw Blondie and Cindy Lauper last year, mm. the uh, there was a group of women who were a few shardies in by the time that Cindy Lauper started. And they were actually just talking amongst themselves mm. rather than listening to her. And eventually my wife cracked it and went and complained to security and then security moved us up to a better seat. So, nice. Yeah, so sometimes it does pay to have a bit of a whinge. Excellent. But, yeah. yeah. So any other bands that I would like to have seen? For me, I think the only band that I really would want to see that I never got a chance to, and that would probably be The Smiths. Mm-hmm. I almost went and saw Morrissey live. He came out here sort of late 90s, but then he famously cancelled his concert because he had a sore throat. And Morrissey is quite famous for pulling out of concerts at the last minute. So when he came to Australia that time, I had my tickets and he, he pulled out. The next time he came out, he came out sort of just a couple of years ago, but he only played Sydney when he came out the last yep. time. And I thought, well, do I really want to go to Sydney just to see Morrissey? But no, I didn't. No. But he was probably the only one. I think I would have liked to have seen the Pixies, but again, they came out 
last, last year, year as well. But I thought to myself, well, they won't be the same as they would have been back yep. in the day. So mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're probably the only ones for me. Yeah, I think I think it'd be Queen with Freddie. It's mm-hmm. the only one I really missed. Yeah, you know, I've seen Foo Fighters. I don't miss Nirvana. Yeah, I saw Pearl Jam. I saw Alice in Chains. They were probably my preferred Seattle grunge bands of the time. Anyway, yeah. I saw the Sex Pistols when they did the Filthy Luca tour because, fuck it, I've seen the Sex Pistols. Saw Air Supply with my mum. <laughs> like, I, we bought tickets for mum to see Air Supply. She loves the band. And getting back to the people. And sort of we drew straws, me and my sister, who had to go and I lost, so I took it. But in the end, I actually liked you it. You won. Yeah, I, you would have gone and seen Air Supply I, yourself. I actually liked it. It's like, if they do it again, I'll go again. Hmm. Like, it's sort of weird. But again, going back to... It was a smaller ground venue. It was a smaller ground. Small ground. It was a smaller <laughs> easy, venue. Easy to hit sixes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like big bash. No, so um, it was at Hammer Hall or whatever, the, the art centre. So much nice, very nice and very cool. And the crowd rushed the stage, but they're old. So it was a sort of a more meander up to the stage. And they're there and, and the lead singer with a fro, he's all there just giving high fives to everybody. But he had the knack. He wasn't looking at anybody. You know, he's looking at everyone. Yeah. And he's... You know, high fives, touching hands and all this. And there was one woman. I'd say, I'm going to pick her at 65. And she wanted a connection. And I just watched her for a half hour. Because every time he went to the crowd, she's there and she's reaching for him. And you could tell the desperation in her body. It's like, you need to see me. I don't know if there's a history. It's like, you got to remember who I was or something. And she's just pointing, like, please acknowledge me. And I was just like, I just watched that for a half hour. And just watching this woman, she didn't deteriorate by the end of it, but he never acknowledged her once. And I don't know if he was ignoring her. Maybe she's, you know, a crazy fan that has been around for a while. But he seemed to bypass her all the time. So I was just like, yeah, that's what I love. Like, even bad concerts you can get good experiences out of because you can go and watch your kids or do wrestling dances or slam dancing. Annoy young kids who don't know what they're doing. Mm. Mm. All righty. Well, that's probably a nice place for us to wrap up tonight. Yes. There is so, quite a lot of memories there. Let us know. if you Now we've spurned you on and talked about concerts. What about ones you've seen? Tell us your favourites. Or, you know, we've got a friend out there who is short. We're tall. <laughs> that's funny because I was just about to mention this as yeah. well. <laughs> so I was going to say maybe Simon could jump on the website and tell us about how we went and saw Machine Gun Felicia. Well, we saw it. And my favourite memory of that concert isn't anything to do with the band. It's just Simon standing behind us going, can't see. So, yes. If you have a, a favourite memory, jump on our Facebook, jump on our Twitter, and, yeah, let us know what you think your favourite concert moments were, who, you, who you've seen, who you really would have liked to have seen. Yeah. We are facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast, or we are the MA Podcast on Twitter. And, yeah, just give us a bit of an idea of what you liked. Cool. And we will be back in a couple of weeks with our next little mini Welcome to My World episode. And until then, thank you very much, Mitch. No worries. And good night. See ya.